0: As a church, uh, collectively, we give money to worldwide missions. We have several missionaries uh, that our church supports uh, locally and around the world. We have a missions team uh, that meets uh, together for the purpose of taking care of those missionaries and keeping the church up to date on what's happening in their lives. Now, our missions budget is separate from the general giving budget. When they sit down um, at the end of a year to discuss the budget for the coming year, it's good for them to have some idea of how much money they could expect uh, to come in uh, to the missions fund so that they can set the budget for the year. Now, I want you to take note of this little yellow card that you find in your bulletin. If you are willing to share with our missions team what the Lord has laid on your heart to give towards missions in the coming year. That will be of great assistance to them as they sit down uh, to figure out the missions budget, to have some idea of what they might expect uh, people to give towards missions. That makes sense, doesn't it? If, if God has laid it on your heart to support uh, missions through Prairie Hill, if you would be willing to fill out this card and drop it in the box at the back of the sanctuary, the, uh, the offering box, um, that would be wonderful. That is your opportunity today to signal to the missions team, here's what um, we're feeling or I'm feeling I'll give toward missions in 2022. Okay? That's this card. You can also pick one, pick one up out in the lobby. If you can't get to it today, uh, return it next week. and That'll be just fine. Now, it's a special honor, privilege, uh, really, to welcome our own John Yoder uh, to the pulpit today to share with us John and his wife, Sherry, are supported uh, missionaries of Prairie Hill. They served in China for 13 years. They're now back in the Twin Cities, and uh, John has founded a a really interesting uh, organization. Global Youth Interchange is the name of the organization. I'll let him tell you the details, but this has been fascinating to me to know that there's someone like John here in the Twin Cities doing exactly what he does— And uh, he's going to share more about that today in the context of sharing the scriptures with us. So, John Yoder, please come on up, and we're very grateful to have you today.
1: Thank you, Pastor Matt. It's good to see all of you again. My wife, Sherry, sends her regrets today. She uh, is still recovering from a knee replacement, and one of her family members had a medical emergency earlier this week. So family is uh, gathering around that, and so she is not able to be with me today. If you're new friends, we're very glad to meet you. We've been part of the family here since 2003 and want to share with you uh, what God is doing among the nations, not only in Eden Prairie but around the world. So, I one of the things I really love is that I get to follow what Pastor Matt shared last Sunday. Sherry and I joined you online. You have a new mission and vision statement. To keep learning, to keep expanding, and to see the gospel grown in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I love the videos, the graphics of looking around you at schools, parks, businesses, homes, both around this building and around your homes. And asking the question, what does it mean to impact our Jerusalem for the gospel of Christ? I want to take that and expand it just a little more and talk about Judea and Samaria, which are not only the Americans, but first-generation immigrants who live among us, and what it would be like to impact them for the gospel of Christ. I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is God is on the throne. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is working all things together for good and nothing in history has even made a hiccup or a delay in his purposes for the nation's. But there is a lot of bad news, and you know, as you read the newspapers and go through your daily lives, of the bad news that's happened around us, especially since March of last year. And as we think about the Great Commission, locally and globally, all of that news affects us affects the church affects your life so i want to reflect or just think through the world that we're dealing with in america and elsewhere so that as we share christ with others what we are looking at first of all we have the covid related loss of life health work and social connectedness. We've been reminded already this morning of Philip Nachi's wife and what she has suffered through COVID, and it's worse elsewhere than here. India has eight times our population density, Many homes have no refrigerator, no electricity. So instead of going to the grocery weekly, they go to the corner market daily. Only a few people have access to vaccines. So you can understand that the transmission rate of disease is far worse in a setting like that than here. We have lost more than 2,000 Indian pastors to COVID similar numbers in nepal and some of them are high-level trainers coaches mentors of pastors and they're with jesus now and and in addition to that loss of breadwinners and others and in our own world we know that there are people we would have liked to have been with in a nursing home a hospital and we simply could not do it there is a global increase in dictatorship jihadism and persecution Democracy globally is waning and dictatorship is rising, both in large and small countries. Sherry and I lived in China for 13 years. You read the news. They have spent billions perfecting uh, surveillance, facial recognition, artificial intelligence, CCTV, and then sell that cheaply to third world countries where dictators then with a much smaller budget can more effectively control their people. What has happened recently in Afghanistan has destabilized other places where the local troops have no more commitment to their government than the Afghans did because of corruption. We don't know what that's going to lead to. But what we know is that in the last few years, there is a meaningful uptick in persecution against the global church. Conflict over politics, vaccines and masks, rage race, and gender, and more. You see the picture here. Ed Stetzer calls this the age of outrage. And in my time on earth, I cannot remember a time when nationally, you know, just as general people or as Christians, we have been more divided, more divisive, more angry. And whether we're posting or talking with others, not only do we have different opinions, we are not always gracious as we share those opinions and we are seeing an exodus from the church it's been written about for quite some time of younger generations leaving the church but in the last two years through covid people have not been able to come some are returning others are not some are changing churches as social distancing gradually winds down we don't totally know what it means we do not know who and will and will not return To worship or to serving in ministry within the kingdom or to those things that Jesus talks about love one another encourage one another bear one another's burdens. We simply don't know yet what that means and many have said remarked that just as uh, Europe has become a post-christian culture North America is as well and that as we share the gospel with those around us. We're not taking cultural Christians and asking them to make a tiny leap into uh, active faith in Christ, but taking those who really have no head knowledge of Jesus or cultural exposure to the church and asking them to make a pretty significant change into active faith in Jesus Christ. I did not tell you anything you don't already know. You hear this in the news. But as we begin to ask the question, what does it mean for us as a church to share with neighbors in Eden Prairie, Minnetonka, Chaska, wherever it may be, as we see those things around us, we tend to be discouraged, cynical, disillusioned, disappointed, angry, sad. A lot of different emotions come to the surface, and it's not... Really likely to motivate us to go and share Christ with people around us. That's the bad news So i want to tell you some good news 2,000 years ago. Jesus gave his followers some bad news. In fact, it was worse news He had spent three years training his disciples mentoring them Coaching them preparing them to leave the church and then he started giving them news. They did not like one bit We will go to Jerusalem I will be betrayed, I will be beaten, I will be rejected, I will be executed, then I will rise from the grave, then I will go to the Father, and you will not see me again, and I will send you the Holy Spirit. Nobody liked that message. That was worse news than what I just shared with you, but Jesus said to them, You know, folks, this is actually good news. And in John chapter 15 and surrounding passages, Jesus shares with his followers why it is good news that he must suffer and die rise again, and why it is good news that he will not be on earth and we will not see him and that the Holy Spirit is with us. So I want us to look at a few of these passages, and at the end of our time today, I want to give you some practical suggestions about what we can do to impact the nations around us. I believe that God loves his word, and he loves hearing his word. So when I put a verse on the projector, could I ask you to read this aloud with me? This is John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. God the Father loves Jesus Christ with a love that is passionate, energetic, 24 by 7, cannot be measured, and Jesus says that same kind of love that God has for me is the love that I have for you, a love that is unconditional, a love that has nothing to do with the way you behave, with circumstances around us. Jesus says there is more love and more power in this room than you can imagine, and what I want you to do is abide, stay put, focus on that love. What happens if we do? Read with me verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So Jesus says, I love you with the same kind of passionate, infinite love that God the Father has for me. I want you to focus yourself on it, abide in it, and when you do, you will bear much fruit. And he says, without me you can do nothing. Which means that our buildings, our programs, our education, our finances, our whatever, if that is what we are going to use to impact our community for Christ, we are wasting our time. But Jesus says, if I abide in you and my word abides in you, you are going to bear fruit. I brought my phone with me this morning, and you know that uh, 25 years ago this thing made phone calls, right? It does several hundred other things now, right? So let me ask you a question. If I don't plug this in at night and the battery runs out, how many of those hundreds of functions does it do? Yeah. Right? This just became a paperweight. Am I correct? Right? So, maybe you're admiring the pretty gold colored phone case I have. And wow, John, that's, you know, it sets it apart. But let me tell you something. This is not just a pretty phone case. This is an external battery. And it has the same battery capacity, maybe more, that the phone itself does. And when I plug this in at night, and, you know, if you don't have one of these, you unplug it and immediately your phone starts discharging not mine, because it's sitting in a battery 24-7. When I plug my phone in at night, the battery has almost never dropped to 90% because it's constantly being recharged by this gold-covered case. Now, some people charge their phone a few hours a day. My phone is charging 24-7, 365. My phone is never not charging. When do you recharge your spiritual batteries? Do you recharge them once a week when you go to church? Do you recharge them once a day when you get into the word and prayer? Jesus says, I want you to abide in me. That is, I want my presence to saturate everything you do. Sleeping, showering, driving. Debating Netflix, all of it, Jesus wants to fill every part of us. And when we invite him into that, and when we sense his presence, we're more aware of him even than the news around us. We're going to bear fruit. Now, we want to tell Jesus the kind of fruit, right? So we want to people get saved, church growth. But that's not always it. Jesus also bears spiritual fruit. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is... What? Love, joy, peace. Very good. Read this with me. John thirteen thirty four and 5. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So if we abide in Christ, his love... For us and for our brothers and sisters will grow. As we shared just a few moments ago, the last two years have been an incredibly divisive, argumentative time, not only in our nation, but in the church. Now, I'm a strongly opinionated person, and I think many of you are as well. It's okay to have opinions. But in the last couple years, as we have shared our beliefs with others, whether they're Christians or not, whether they're in this church or another church... Have we had the Holy Spirit fruit of gentleness and kindness? Even if we don't need to take back the content of anything we've said, should there be anything of the tone or the mood in which we said it that maybe we need to apologize to somebody because we have not demonstrated Christ's love? Jesus says people will know that you're my followers if you love each other. But if we cannot get along with Christians with different opinions than us, then how do we demonstrate to the world that we are Jesus' followers? The fruit of the spirit is love, what's number 2? Joy. Pretty good. John 15:11, read that with me. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus tells us what he's excited about. When he is in heaven, he looks down on earth. What does he get pumped about? What excites Jesus? It's not stars in the sky. It's not oceans and rocks and trees. It's not buildings. It's you. It's people in whom he dwells. That he is making us like him. Jesus says, My joy is always in you. And I am telling you what? That your joy may be full. Now, Many will tell us that younger generation today isn't really interested in talking about organized religion or maybe spiritual things. But there is an epidemic of anxiety and depression. And if you have joy, if you have answers for anxiety and depression in the circumstances that we face today, you might be able to find an audience if our abiding in Christ fills us with joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Uh, What's the third one? Peace. Very good. You guys get an A. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus was not lying when he said in the world you'll have tribulation, Right? Would you, re, would you say that the last two years have been a deep trial that we've been going through, a time of pruning of the global church? Sometimes I talk to people and they say, why isn't God doing anything? We pray and obey, and, and yet you know we see the decline of society and the decline of the church. Why isn't God doing anything? God is extremely active. He's maybe just not doing the things that we want. God was extremely active when Jesus was being nailed to the cross. He's been extremely active at every period of persecution in history. Jesus sends tribulation, but he says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. And as we abide in Christ, as we focus on him, uh we will find love joy peace and we'll also find patience goodness kindness self-control and i want my last verse is the one that uh pastor matt has picked as a theme verse really with the new vision and passion statement would you read this with me you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When will you receive power? When? Yeah, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There is a high connection between the Holy Spirit coming upon us, between being filled with the Holy Spirit, and between abiding in Christ which is focusing our minds and hearts 24 by 7 on who Jesus is, what he has done in our lives, what he is doing in our brothers' and sisters' lives. And when that happens, we have the capacity to be witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So folks, I am thrilled at the new vision statement you have. But if it is simply organizational power or people power, this is not going to go anywhere. It is only when the power of Christ resides upon us both individually and as a body that we will bear effective witness for Christ. We must let his fruit shine through us. And if in the middle of all these icky things that are going on, we find love, joy, peace, and more Then we have something to share with the world. Well, folks, that's the good and the bad news on a theoretical level. But now I want to transition. I want to get very practical with you by talking to you about something concrete and specific you can do to reach the nations, not just across the ocean, but across the street. Things that my organization is doing, things that you are doing with us, and things that we might do together in the future. Of the 3.5 million people who live in the Twin Cities, 1 million are immigrants, first or second generation, from over 100 ethnic groups. It's amazing uh, as I hang out with them and see their diversity. So they are nearly a third of the population of the cities. Well, what about Eden Prairie itself? Here's a pie chart. This is based on last year's census demographic data. White folks are about 69%. Bear in mind that that includes Russian and European immigrants, okay? So that's reasonably consistent with the rest of the metro. Black... That is both African-American and African-immigrant, 7%. Asians are nearly 14%. Latinos, 4.5%. And then there are mixed race and others. In other words, the demographics of Eden Prairie are not very dissimilar with the demographics of the broad metro area. And I think you know it, right? When you go to Target, when you go to Cub... When you go to Culver's or Walmart or wherever you go, I believe that you see that. You probably see it in the school and in the office. God has brought the nations here, which gives you the opportunity to build relationships across cultural boundaries. Most first-generation immigrants have never had a meal in an American's home. Now, they eat American food all the time because you can't find an Ethiopian restaurant, a Peruvian restaurant. They're just, you know, there's very few of them. So they know hamburgers and pizza and all the rest. But they've rarely been invited to the home of, of somebody like you and me because all of us tend to hang around with people like us. It's just what we do. And if you have them over, and it doesn't have to be the full Thanksgiving thing, it can just be whatever you happen to be putting together that day, just the ability to be with you and ask what you guys do every day would actually be an eye-opener for them and will give you the opportunity to build relationships now you may think to yourself and we can invite them to prairie hill and you're absolutely right you can there is a minority of first-generation immigrants who would fall in love with this church and churches like it who would become members A majority will not. And the reason is that the life issues they face are different. If you attended an English language immigrant church in the Twin Cities, they would be friendly... The theology would be orthodox, but the sermon illustrations wouldn't land on you because the people are wrestling with different life issues than you are. And in the same way, Pastor Matt and others who share here need to talk about the life issues that middle-class suburban Americans wrestle with, which are not the same issues that immigrants wrestle with. So understand that many would come and love this church and plug in, but a majority won't. And another way that we can help is by walking alongside immigrant pastors. As God has brought the nations here, they're not all non-Christians. Many of them are saved, and many of them are pastors. And there are more than 700 immigrant churches in the Twin Cities. Pre-COVID, there were more than a 1,000. They are roughly 30% each, Latino, Asian, African, and 10% Russian and European. I have worshipped in more than 50 of them and, and in most cases tried to get to know the pastor. Their average size is 30. Now, there's many that have 100, there's three that have 500, there's plenty that have a dozen, but 30 is an average size. You can guess that with that kind of attendance, most pastors aren't supported financially by the church there's a few part-time there's several full-time but most are volunteer they have a 40-hour job they're raising their families in a foreign culture and they're leading the church with the time available and with only 30 people how many children and teens do you think they have right so they don't have the scope and scale of graded ministries that you can have here and by walking with them in partnership you can be a great blessing to these churches my organization, which we launched as Global Belief Interchange, we're going to rename next year because we have found that church matchmaking and being a church connector is our sweet spot. I tell people I am E Harmony for churches. And what that means is you know e-harmony, right? You got so many women, you got so many men, and just because you bring two people together, you all know you don't marry the first person you date, usually, right? And so just doesn't mean anything was wrong with anyone, it just means it wasn't a match. But it takes time, but as we match people together, we find the real blessing happens. Tell you a story. Three years ago, this pastor, Juan Vargas, came from Guatemala planted a church in his home, which is a trailer in Shakopee. One year ago, I worshipped with them. They packed out the home with 30 people to maximize the church. His home had no sofa, no dining room table, no comfortable chairs. The furnishing in his living room were 30 folding chairs, a keyboard, and a couple of speakers because they were trying to maximize the size for the church. I loved the worship, the people, it, you know, it was great, but I knew that size was their delimiter. I wanted to find a church south of the river because an unsaved Latino doesn't want to come north of the river to go to church. I wanted to find them something nearby. In January... Resonate Church moved into its new building. It was a church plant. It met in schools. And in January, got its new building. I didn't know anyone. I emailed the pastor. I Zoomed the pastor. And in February, I brought together the leadership team of Resonate and Vita Nueva. And I just asked them, do you guys like each other? Would you want to spend time together? Might God be calling you to serve together? They started attending each other's services live and online they started to pray about what it would be together and the youth pastor of resonate said to Anna the youth pastor at Vita you want to do youth group together your kids all speak English and in the spring they started and this is one of their summertime youth events this spring three Latino teenagers came to faith through that joint youth ministry in May Uh, Vida Nueva started to worship in Resonate's facility. This is their very first service because the church is no longer in Pastor Vargas' home. His home now has a sofa, a dining room set, and two armchairs. In July, and bear in mind, this is the first year the Resonate had its own building. They had an animal palooza, which is this big festival with all kinds of stuff. Both churches brought tents, brought food. The Latinos made Spanish-language T-shirts. And at Thanksgiving, in just a couple weeks, they're going to do a joint food distribution where Resonate is preparing Thanksgiving meals, and Vida Nueva knows poor people that they're sharing the gospel of Christ with, and jointly they are sharing in this outreach event. This is Ethiopian Evangelical Church on the east side of St. Paul. It is one of only three immigrant churches in the metro that has 500 people. They took a break for COVID, but recently they started having Sunday morning worship. However, their building is very, very old. Zero parking spaces, and the basement has no windows and virtually no ventilation. And everyone said, this is not a place to have our children's ministry during a pandemic. For several months, they postponed their children's and youth ministry until they found a place that had ventilation. I found a church in Roseville. It didn't work for them. I found a church in Oakdale, and I introduced them to the pastor, and they toured it last night, yesterday afternoon, for the very first time, 130 children and children's workers and youth from this church met at hope church of oakdale using six classrooms in the gymnasium and they're thrilled many of you came to faith as children and you knew the power that those sunday school teachers or parents or whoever had in your life and this church that has missed that has it back again this is their older facility This is a Latino church in Columbia Heights. Most of the churches in Columbia Heights are smaller, meet in uh, schools. One meets in a coffee shop. This church and two Caucasian churches are small enough that they have youth groups, but they're not well designed. And I've brought them together. As a consortium, someone is going to do the scheduling, people will take turns leading events, and I know other both American and immigrant churches in the near vicinity that I will invite into that. In addition to that, those are done deals, but there are churches that are Haitian, Filipino, Sudanese, uh, and Liberian and somebody else that are in process. I'm introducing them to pastors. It takes a while to get on the radar. It takes a while to get things together. And I often find that if I don't push the email or the text thing, it doesn't work. So at any rate, we have a number of relationships that are in the process of formation. Now, I have tried to connect you with an immigrant church for a while. But you know what? I'm 0 for 3. Uh, maybe you should fire me. I don't know. I've, I've tried to introduce you to a, a Latino, an uh, Indian, and a Liberian. Pastor Matt has met two of them. Good relationships didn't click. But this is harmony, right? You don't marry the first one you date. I hope in a year's time that you will host one, if not two or three, smaller immigrant congregations. Maybe have your youth and children's and outreach and who knows what together. Give it time. It takes a while to work out. But how could some of you as individuals engage with us in this kind of ministry? One is to connect a church. Right now I need three host churches on the northeast side of town. But if you know a church anywhere in the U.S. that might be a fit, let us know. Connect a missionary. I'm working with heads of 13 mission agencies to form a pipeline. As missionaries wind down their overseas service return anywhere in the U.S. with the support they've already raised, the skills they already have to continue um, serving immigrant communities right here in the U.S., if you know anyone in the process of returning please put us in connection. Connect a technologist. We're developing in the next months a new name, a new website. Uh, I've got bids on designing a logo, doing some WordPress. But if you know a Christian that might do that free of charge, please put us in contact or pray for us. Uh, Many of you have prayed for us, supported for us since 2003 when we hit it out. And my last slide is simply our contact information. So if you want, you get your phone out, take a picture of that. You can send me an email, that is not my cell phone, that we use a a toll-free number to send text prayer updates for our ministry, so you could text or email us about any of the above, and we would be very glad to be in touch with you. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for your partnership in ministry for about 18 years. And we want to see not just this partnership blossom, but the other ones we heard about in the Sunday school hour. And many other things As you're a learning community and you're asking what does it take for us to impact our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria with the gospel and the ends of the earth. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you that you fill each one and as you look down from heaven, your joy remains in us. And I pray today that you would help each of us to shut down the newsfeed, the bad news, the social media, the whatever it is that discourages us and that we would find ways 24 by 7 by 365 to plug into you in all that we do. May you fill us May you fill us with love, joy, peace, patience, all of those fruits. And may you fill us with the fruits of people coming to faith in Christ, the growth of your church, the expansion of your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.